0: Hey everybody, we hope you've been taking this opportunity to catch up with the amazing Ken Burns country music series. And we've got some really exciting episodes coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, here's a classic from the library though, Our good old Panther Hall, one of the most famous dance halls. Uh, we love doing this episode, we hope you enjoy it. And tune in next week for some super fresh new episodes. And without further ado, here's the show. Howdy to any new listeners who've come to us from the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. We hope you go back, listen to the whole catalog, and learn lots of interesting facts about Texas and get your Texas IQ up to par. Thank you, Hunter, for being on last week. We really appreciate it.
1: Or to see Bob Seger's manager pull a gun on the promoter.
0: Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkoski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. For 15 years, a former bowling hall was the greatest music venue in the Lone Star State. From Bob Wills to Johnny Cash to Tina Turner to Willie Nelson, some of the biggest music names in the world walked the famed stage of Fort Worth's Panther Hall. But first, what's your favorite place to look at dinosaur bones in Texas? Well, I I might say on my couch watching Jurassic Park. But uh, if you do have to actually go outside uh, and you're in Dallas, go to the Perot Museum. They actually have a really huge dinosaur exhibit. And uh, shout out to our friend Joe, who works hard there all the time. Well, sometimes.
2: He's a volunteer.
0: He's a volunteer, but he's there. Yeah. When he's there, he works hard. When he's not there, he's thinking about dinosaurs, yeah. probably. Well, and as, Mike, and as a pro
1: museum, as a pro museum member, I hardly endorse that endorsement, Mike.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, you stole my choice because um, the pro is wonderful, as we've said. I endorse both your endorsement and Sean's endorsement of your endorsement of the Borough Museum. So I'm going to take this question sideways and say that uh, I really enjoy going out to Glen Rose and Dinosaur Valley State Park and seeing the dinosaur tracks in the riverbank. That's just pretty cool. It's also very hot in August. I'd recommend going in a cooler time of the year.
1: One of my favorite places is also outside. Um, It was one of the most interesting trips, and I would count it as a favorite trip, although it was fraught with danger, peril, and oddity. Um, In college, we went to Big Bend National Park. Uh, I took a dinosaur class. We went out to Big Bend to go look at a a dinosaur dig and to look at dinosaur bones. Unfortunately, in the three days we were there, we never found the dig or the bones and didn't see any bones anywhere. Uh, But it was a great trip. It was a lot of fun. So there you go. If you go to Big Bend and you manage to find dinosaur bones, it's a great place to find them.
0: Years before Billy Bob's Texas gained its fame as the world's largest honky-tonk, another storied music hall lived and died in Fort Worth. From 1963 to 1978, Panther Hall, located at the intersection of East Lancaster and Collard, was the greatest country music venue in Texas. Many of the biggest stars of the day made their way to the famed Panther Hall stage. Along the way, the hall required a reputation, for a great sound, cold beer, and wild crowds. The image of a panther has long been a part of Fort Worth's
1: history. In the beginning of the late 1800s, a Dallas attorney reportedly claimed that when he visited Fort Worth, quote, things were so quiet he'd seen a panther asleep on Main Street. And due to this story, which is no doubt apocryphal, the nickname of Panther City was added to the city's other nickname, Cowtown. Over the years, various minor league sports teams have called the themselves the Panthers or the Cats, and Fort Worth City police officers wear a patch of the dozing cat on their uniforms. It was also the name that Brothers Bill and Corky Cockendall used when they decided to open up a bowling stadium in
2: Fort Worth's Polytechnic District. The building itself was an unusual structure, with octagonal walls, split-level floors, and wing-peaked rooftops. It was built for championship bowling, but there wasn't much demand for championship bowling. However, in 1963, the Kuykendall brothers decided to convert the 32,000-square-foot hall from a bowling arena into a concert venue. A large stage was built, and an upstairs bar called The Loft was put in. The wood from the bowling lanes was used to build a huge dance floor. Initially, the brothers booked rock and roll acts, but soon they started booking more country acts. According to country music reporter-photographer Wayne Beckham, it started off as rock and roll but then they decided to go
0: country because they couldn't draw a big enough crowd. The venue was perfect for country music, but it retained its quirky nature, being a far cry from the usual beer-soaked honky-tonk halls. The bandstand wasn't separated from the audience. The dance floor was huge, and the building was air-conditioned with long tables for seating. The waitresses were dressed in Western outfits, and the beer was served upside down, since cans could be opened faster with a church key at the bottom rather than using the pop-top. The view from the loft, which was generally open only to the bands and their guests, was magnificent. They had a green room called the Tack Room, where the bands would jam together before and after the performance, and that was often a much hotter ticket than the one on stage.
1: Very quickly, the venue became the premier stage for live country music, and every weekend was a sellout. The move to country music not only brought additional music fans to the hall at night, but also a large television audience on Saturday evenings. Uh, channel 11 which is ktvt was at the time an independent station and it aired the cowtown jamboree as part of its saturday evening lineup and much like the famed sportatorium in dallas in the 1950s panther hall gained statewide fame and exposure through this live television broadcast the show aired alongside other popular country syndicated shows as the wilburn brothers charlie lubin and
2: porter wagner in the early years Jerry Lee Lewis and Charlie Pride drew overflow crowds of 3,000 people. Other famous performers who played Panther Hall included Bob Wills, Loretta Lynn, Buck Owens, George Jones, Ray Price, Tanya Tucker, Johnny Rodriguez, Porter Wagner, Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash, Lefty Frizzell, and the Crickets. Tanya Tucker made her very first appearance there at the age of
0: 14. Willie Nelson's Autobiography with Bud Schrake, Willie, an Autobiography, published in 1988 described the colorful experiences of Willie's life and music that happened at Panther Hall. Panther Hall was Willie's second television home after the Grand Old Opry. he had played there so often that he was considered a semi-regular on the Jamboree. In 1966, Willie would record a live album entitled Live Country Music Concert at Panther Hall for RCA Records. The legendary and now rare album includes live versions of such classic hits as My Own Peculiar Way... Nightlife, Mr. Record Man, and I Never Cared For You.
1: Now, the cover of the album, which is a shot of him on the stage at Panther Hall in front of the famed Panther Hall Banner, depicts a clean-cut young man in a suit and a tie. The songs he played, though, were darker, looser, and more soulful than the ones he normally played in Nashville or on the Opry. The live album was a validation for Willie. He later said, I wanted to record with my band so that I could reproduce every night what I was doing in the studio, but no one would let me do that. He went on to say, I recorded with studio musicians and made really good records, but there was no chance of doing them on the road because those guys didn't travel. Now, this album sold pretty well in Texas, but it sold lousy pretty much everywhere else. It's going to be another decade, though, before Willie found his freedom
2: with his sound. Other country artists took advantage of the Hall's energy and acoustics to record live albums. Jerry Lee Lewis recorded a live album at the Hall in 1966. It was released in 1967 as Jerry Lee Lewis by Request, more of the greatest live show on earth. In 1969, Charlie Pride released his live album that he recorded at Panther Hall, in person, on the RCA
0: label, which we'll link in our show notes. As the 1960s moved into the 1970s, rock and roll artists began to get booked again, especially after the Cowtown Jamboree stopped airing. The younger crowd wanted more modern music, and they wanted to see rock bands. Initially, local garage acts like the Restless Set were used, but soon national touring acts began to appear. The Birds, Sly and the Family Stone, Ike and Tina Turner, and even the Grateful Dead all played there in 1969 and 70. In the later 70s, Delaney and Bonnie, Bo Diddley, Dr. Hook, Jefferson Airplane, the MC5, and even the Electric Light Orchestra performed there. A very young ZZ Top would play there in 1970. Now, Sean found a great story about musician Gary Hampton. He tells the tale of Bob Seeger in late 1972. He wrote that there was a horrible snowstorm, a rarity in Fort Worth, and only a few dozen people had actually paid to see the show. Bob Seeger's manager, in true Bob Seeger fashion, pulled a gun on the promoter in order to ensure that Bob got paid for his show. Hampton said that Seeger put on a heck of a performance for the people who bothered to show up, because it was a snowstorm in Fort Worth.
1: And it was Bob Seeger. Well, by the late 70s, the crowds were getting smaller and smaller. In early 1978, Panther Hall did get some notoriety for being the second venue in Texas to host punk music. A month after the Sex Pistols played a disastrous show at Dallas's Longhorn Ballroom, Panther Hall hosted the Ramones, and the Runaways for a couple of hundred punk fans. This was Panther Hall's last raw, though. Within a few months, the hall was closed. The building got boarded up for nearly two decades, and even though there was attempts to do things with it, nothing much happened. In the 1990s, the site was razed to the ground and paved over. Today, all that remains of Panther Hall is the memories. So we got this idea. I got this idea for this episode. And talking uh, with my uh, two uncles, my mom's brothers, uh, visited with them this weekend. My uncle from lives in Boston or in Massachusetts uh, came to visit for the first time in several years. And uh, telling them about our show, we talked about the Red-Headed Stranger episode and the Willie Nelson episodes that we'd done. And my uncles told me a story I'd never heard before, which is that my grandfather, my mom's dad, in the late 60s was a bartender at Panther Hall. Uh, it was a second job that he had. And my uncle Chris, who's my mom's middle brother, he uh, had a job as a teenager parking cars at Panther Hall. And he said, oh yeah, I used to see all the, 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 the bands and after I'd park the cars, I'd go in and watch the shows and hang out with them backstage. And Willie Nelson used to come in and he'd go to the, this room called the tack room and he'd sit there and have, have a Coke with me. We'd have we'd have a bottle of Coca-Cola together because I didn't ever see him drink. But We'd have a Coke together and he'd sit there and talk with us and tell stories and sing to us and stuff like that. So uh, it was a very interesting conversation. A story I'd never heard from from him. And he said, Yeah, I saw the p Tina Turner probably about three or four times and all those all those people came through and I I knew them all. So and I and I'd heard a little bit tiny bit before about Panther Hall. I think I just heard the name it was a famous club in Dallas or in Fort Worth. But uh and then looking into the stories about it, it's like, this is a really, really cool venue uh, that existed, in, and I've got a personal connection to it. Hmm.
0: That's
1: really cool. Now, now, Mike, have you ever heard that album? Or have you seen that album no, before? No, I've not
0: seen that one. Um, and I had, I'm definitely going to try to look for it and see if I can get a hold of it. Um, all of that classic old stuff that he played, Willie played, is just super great. Cause it, the, he did a lot of demos of songs that he was writing. And uh, I think the demos are just, they're fantastic. They're very natural, and you just listen and go, this seems like magic. I think it's interesting that we talk about the idea of dance halls in Texas. And i lo- there's other ones that I want, I'm would i hoping we'll get around to talking to eventually. I mean, I think everybody knows, you know, the sort of the famous, like, the Green Hall. Gillies. Yeah, Gillies is another famous one. Um, Luke and Bach, yeah. Lukenbach There's also, there's a whole series of these that were, Built throughout South Texas, kind of out in the country a little bit of ways. In fact, you can get like Green is the oldest. The second oldest is one called Schrader, which is just outside of Victoria. Schrader Hall, which is a a small um, air-conditioned hall, it's really beautiful. It was majorly restored a few years ago. But uh, you know, you sort of look into the history of these buildings. Some of these dance halls, like Panthers, is interesting because it was just a bowling alley. It was it was a hot spot for a few years. Um, and I think we'll talk, you know, you, you, start looking at places like the Armadillo room in, in Austin or some of these others are a little more modern rooms, but some of the dance halls here in Texas go back into the 1800s, you know, they were built, uh, very old, well-construct, you know, quality, quality German immigrant construction, you know? Um, but, but this place I think was really a magical, it captured a really magic time in Texas and Texas music. You know, 63 to 78, it's only 15 years. And you think about the last 15 years of music. How different is today from, you know, 2001? And you go, eh, it's not that different. But you think about where music was when this place opened. The transformation in not only country music, but the transformation that happened in modern rock and roll. So I think it was, you know, there, this, was, this was a real piece of zeitgeist for North Texas and uh, a really cool, you know, place. It's the kind of place you wish you could still visit, and it's sad that it's gone.
1: There's there's a great little website, pantherhall.com, and they've got a lot of uh, interesting memories and uh, postings from people uh, where a lot of the research from this came from. There's also some video of, uh, of uh, the Cowtown Jamboree, uh, the television show. And I, I find these old television shows, these live shows from the 60s, 50s and 60s, fascinating. You know, we talked about, Way way back in the Texas wrestling episode, in the world famous sportatorium in Dallas, and that the the famous uh, uh, the famous show that emanated from there, uh, the 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 music show, and that Elvis Presley played, and many of the early rock and roll and country acts played then. Johnny Cash, famous played, famously played on that stage. But these live shows, these 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 studio not really studio shows, but hall shows. Um, that were all over the country, and and they're really a fascinating and lost, uh lost uh to time in a lot of ways because they didn't keep a lot of those tapes. They didn't tape them. They just aired them live, and nobody bothered to put them on a the kinescope or on a tape unless they really thought about
0: it. Well, my you know my own personal connection to it. You know, I've talked a little bit about dad was a musician. He had in the customs down in San Antonio. They were the house band for Randy's Rodeo, which was um, a big place in San Antonio kind of like Panther Hall and they would have these you know when you're the house band they would play three nights a week there they got a percentage of the door and all that but when big guests would come to town they didn't bring their band with them usually They, right. you know so it might be Charlie Pride showing up and so then they would just back Charlie Pride and there's Charlie Pride we're going to play with Charlie Pride for the next you know couple hours and then who else is coming into town and so there's a whole you know laundry list of these guys that sort of drifted through this dance hall tour scene in texas so they just show up here's the songs we're doing they'd play the show and and then they'd move on but it's really kind of a it's a lost piece of in today's highly expensive like to go to a show today is is an investment of hundreds of dollars it's lots of planning and it's just like oh you know you could just go down to the dance hall and who's in town this week <laughs> yeah yeah um
2: i do think it's really cool though that they Took the bowling lane wood and turned that into the dance floor. Yeah, so um, that's kind of a kind of a cool deal. Some some history in that construction that would have been neat to see. I also think it's funny and obvious now that, uh, in hindsight, that they switched from rock and roll to country because that's where the money is. Because mm-hmm. in many cases, I don't think that's changed.
1: Yeah, but I it, it did start start to dry up, and and you know, you got to remember, 1963 was only. Was a year before the Beatles, and it was only four years after the, you know, the Buddy Holly with the day the music died. So rock and roll was in the nadir in 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 that those first couple of years of the 60s. Um, uh, it was kind of on a downslide. So country was the more popular music, uh, but I, I find it fascinating also to, to think of the the Grateful Dead showing up in Fort Worth, Texas, at a at a country music venue to perform. <laughs> that's that's pretty. It's pretty uh, surreal to say the least. Or to ELO, Jeff Lynn with all his keyboards and guitars and stuff playing at, uh, at at this venue.
0: I think it would be fantastic to see something like that.
1: Or, or to see Bob Seeger's manager pull a gun on the promoter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, the the rock, the music industry wasn't exactly has never really been exactly. Uh, The cleanest industry that's for sure
0: exactly exactly well you know these these were the places where you know uh, they talk about people from the old days will talk about like you'd have three thousand people show up on a thursday night you know and and they'd they'd be packed to the gills i mean they would just be jumping and you're like you think about it it's like you can't remember the last time you were in a club or a venue or a dance hall and you were surrounded by two three thousand people and seeing cars like down the road for miles, out in the middle of nowhere, or over in Fort Worth, like these were, they packed them in because this is what you did. And, right,
1: exactly, exactly. This is what you did on Thursday, on Saturday nights. You know, Saturday nights it was time. To, it was you go to Caltown Jamboree at, at Panther Hall uh, on on maybe Sunday evenings or Monday evenings. You went to wrestling. I mean, that and that was what you know popular culture was back then, especially in the distributed world of of the 1960s where every town had its own specific market for things you know you would have you know you have wrestling on Saturday morning or or Friday night in Dallas and then Fort Worth on on maybe Wednesday or some some other day so it's like these are the things you did every single week you had you know today if you if you add it up you know you may not be able to drop 3,000 people a week to 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 a club like Trees or or another club in Deep Ellum but that's what they did in the 60s
0: well yeah but I also think it was club now in you know talking about a place like Deep Ellum it's like especially when it's in it's heyday which you know Us old fogies are going to reminisce about the 90s for a minute, so just hang on, kids. Um, (laughs) But you go down the street, and you'd see club, 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 club. There'd be 8, 10, 20 venues to go to in a city, and there'd be bands playing everywhere all the time at that night. And I think when you look at something like Panther Hall, there's a couple of bars, and then there's a big hall, and the dance hall. That's Where Where are you going to? We're going to this dance hall. And there aren't that many of them. Yeah, amazing stuff. They also had three TV channels and, uh, you know, yeah. you know.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> if you have a personal connection to Texas dance halls or even the Panther room, just feel free to drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you and uh, we'll report it on the show. So thanks for listening. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you. So like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can can find our show and and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm barely on Twitter at Max Sean. Two ends. (laughs) And I'm Scotticus. You love good country music. You love good Western music. Heck, you probably like country and Western music. (laughs) So get out there and tell your friends all about what we're doing over here. And leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out. Share the show, leave a review, tell a friend. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas,
1: Texas wants you anyway.